0: Welcome to the guilt Grace Gratitude podcast, featuring Peter Bell and Nick Fulweiler. This is a show about Christian doctrine for everyone from the historic Reformed tradition, delivered by two friends in an unscripted dialogue. Join us as we discuss how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything. Welcome everybody to another episode of the guilt Grace Gratitude podcast. Here is Nick Fulweiler and Peter Bell. How are you doing, Peter?
1: I'm doing fantastic. It's a it's a good day. I'm excited to be on here.
0: It is another day of fresh grace and mercy. Um, So today, we are going to do something a little different and special. Um, The topic and the theme is the law and the gospel. And originally, we were going to just have it all in one episode. But for time and not having one big, long episode, uh, we wanted to break it up into two parts. And each part have an emphasis of Either law and the gospel. So obviously, we're going to start with the law, and uh, we did want to have them be part of the same theme because they have to be tied together, right, Peter?
1: Yeah, yeah. There, you can't have one without the other, for sure.
0: Yes, and we want to avoid people kind of separating the two too much, um, because without the gospel, there is no law. Uh, yeah, yeah, and law, even there is no gospel.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the, it's it's not like there's there's a diametric, so there is they're both opposed to each other, but at the same time they point towards each other. So there's right. both a relationship and also what we call in theology an antithesis. So they they uh, you they're mutually exclusive. Law is not gospel, but law points to gospel.
0: Right. Right. So my first question, um, like I said, we're going to have more of an emphasis on this first part. Of, yeah. uh, focusing on the law, but we will talk about the gospel. Because totally. Of- yep. So um, I'm just going to jump right in and ask you straight, straight up, what is the law and where did it come from?
1: <laughs> yeah. So the, the law is to put it in a very simple way, but then flesh it out. The law is God. So God and his righteousness, God and his holiness is itself the law. And we see that most vividly in the Ten Commandments. Um, so thou shalt have no other God before me, honor the Sabbath, honor your father and mother. Everything within that is the law because it's God. So God His very characteristic. God His very holiness is these things. So he's not just arbitrarily or one day said you know what israel here's a law why don't you guys follow this stuff it's this mirrors who he is and we see even a snapshot a foreshadow of the law in the garden of eden and we've we've talked about that in a previous episode with adam telling him of this tree you shall not eat for if you eat of this tree you shall surely die so the law points towards death And the death is not death in and of itself. It's you transgress this that I've given you, God speaking, you transgress this that I've given you, you cannot be in my presence. So that itself is the law.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it it started really with the first command, like you said, in the Garden of Eden, the first command, I guess we could maybe say it was the first law, but it wasn't really But the first, the first command was to not eat from that tree or surely you will die. And yeah, yeah, there was a,
1: there's a stipulation and stipulation is just a fancy word for saying, this is something I'm giving you, follow it. And then there's a curse. If
0: you don't Hmm. follow this, then this is what happens. Right. And the... the the law from what i learned is broken up into four major categories holiness justice sacrifice and sacred uh sacred time uh-huh yeah there's a couple ways of kind of breaking this down but that's one of them yeah um something that i kind of wrote up and and thought about and di- and and meditated on is knowing that you know, it's, it's hard enough, unfortunately, for a lot of people to articulate the gospel. And that's something that we want to help people with because that's paramount. Um, but what's even more unlikely for people to understand and, um, is, is under articulating the law. I think it's very undervalued and very, uh, misunderstood to say the least. Totally. I agree. Even more than the gospel, which you know, so what we do know, like we were saying earlier, we know there would be no gospel if there was no law, and and there would be no law if without sin, and there would be no sin without the fall in the garden. The law is God's measuring stick to let humanity know how to climb to heaven to sniff his presence in perfection, and yeah, gospel is God coming down to mankind mankind's level to carry man up on his back to heaven Mm -hmm. god saved us from himself by himself for himself yeah absolutely um so since jesus was completely fulfilled the law so that was very clear when jesus came and we were talking about the the, this goes into the gospel part so jesus is the fulfillment of the law should we now ignore the law? And, and if not, why can't we just ignore it?
1: Yeah, this, this is a really big question. You'll hear either pastors, professors, theologians, or even fellow Christians, or, I mean, I mean just the, the whole kind of gamut of people, non-Christians, everybody, who say, well, Jesus came and he said explicitly, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So mm-hmm. does that mean as Christians that we don't have to follow the law? And we have to know our Old Testament really, really well and the New Testament really, really well because Jesus in Hebrews is talked about as the high priest. And the high priest is the The one who takes the sin in the midst of the people, in the Holy of Holies, makes atonement for the people, but has to do it continually over and over and over again. So in one sense, it's fulfilled for that year. And in another sense, it has to be continually fulfilled. So the perfection is not yet. It points towards perfection. But is not yet perfect but we see in jesus he comes to fulfill the law for us because we can't fulfill the law on our own end and so the law switches for us christians from being a burden because we cannot see holiness under the law to being we are now imaging christ in the law so Mm -hmm. comes from being a burden to being a delight saying this now no longer condemns us. This now shows us the very character, the very holiness of Christ that we are not scared of, but we can look at and say, this is the one who's brought us to God. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's that's when Jesus is saying, I've come to fulfill the law. It doesn't mean the law no longer is your ruling stick. It means the law becomes for you, it goes from a burden and to a delight, which, again, kind of references back to our podcast name. It goes from your guilt under the law, mm-hmm. your, the grace comes from Christ to obey the law for you, and then the gratitude is, man, the law is fulfilled for me. I now see in Christ the law. I see in him the holiness of the law, and I get to follow him. I'm not burdened by that same thing any longer.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the law is is the terms of it in the covenant, like like a marriage between God and Israel in the, in the you know essentially in the Old Testament, right
1: yeah, yeah, so there's theologians and this this goes back a little bit to our our talk on the Trinity with the Covenant of Redemption, which is the agreement between God, the Father, and the Spirit to save um his elect to save his people, for christ to for God to plan it, for Christ to execute it, and for the Spirit to um, sanctify us and to give us this record. So that's the covenant of redemption. And then you have the covenant of works. And covenant of works is found in that Genesis 3 account, or Genesis 2 to 3, where God says, of this tree you shall not eat, for if you eat of it you shall surely die. Mm -hmm. And then we see that kind of reinstated, that like, God takes that and then fleshes it out, shows them more fully what the law is in Exodus 20 on Mount Sinai, telling Israel, here is the law. I'm telling you this is in a temporary picture. This is how you gain a physical land. As long as you fulfill this, I'm giving you a temporary picture of what that fulfillment looks like. But he also tells them you can't fulfill this. So you need a mediator, you need Moses, you need Joshua, you need Aaron, you need all of the patriarchs through the historical writings. You need all of these priests, you need all of these kings to be your mediators. But this is supposed to point you towards that ultimate land coming in heaven, that ultimate new Jerusalem coming, not just Canaan. Don't just look at Canaan. And so what a lot of Israelites, what we get mixed up, As we assume that the law was given to Israel to say, hey, now you can achieve righteousness. When Paul says very explicitly in Romans 7, the law exists to show us our sin. The law exists to show us the gospel because we can't do this. That physical temporary land that they're fighting for, that they're trying to obey for in the Old Testament is a temporary picture the eternal heaven that we see in revelation that we look forward to as well
0: right
1: so that's that's kind of like the covenant of works it's it is supposed to show you you can't do this but it's also a temporary picture for israel to say here is a picture a temporary picture of what obedience looks like but don't stop there look to the mediator for the ultimate perfect fulfillment of obedience
0: Towards heaven, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. the The law overall exposed our inability to please God. And yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, that's. We so often think the law is like a graded scale, mm-hmm. so it's as long as you try your hardest, God will God will accept your hardest. It's like no, God only accepts perfection, which is why the mediator is
0: needed. Yeah, we we can't do that on our own. Yeah. No. Like I said in a previous episode, it's like asking a fish to climb a tree. (laughs) It's just how to do it on your own. If you want to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's just something, the most impossible thing I could think of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But yeah, it's just, uh, it's like if you want to do it on your own, here's my standard. Yep. Or do you want to do it uh, through the one that fulfilled it for you? Jesus. So, yep, absolutely. um, So through the four major categories holiness justice sacrifice and sacred time um what specific laws can we now ignore if any and yeah so do yeah, we this this is a hard topic um
1: so there's there's that fourfold category which is well known and there's <coughs> kind of a threefold use of the law that fifth or 16th century martin luther uh and then his companion philip melanchthon um, they both came up with this threefold use of the law. So there's pedagogical, which is kind of training up a child. Um, and it's using Galatians 3 and Galatians 4, um, Greek word pedagogas, which is literally like a child trainer. So it's think of like a teacher, think of like an elementary school teacher trying to get you to somewhere else. So there's that use of the law. Then there's a civil use of the law, which is how Israel how the kings and priests in Israel would have run Israel. God gave them this law specifically. This is how I want you to run Israel. Any disputes, any law that comes up, any breaking of the law comes up, I want you guys to rule it by this law. And there's also kind of like the the sinful or the like conversion um, use of the law as well, which is more goes towards your fourfold use that you just talked about too where it's burdensome this is supposed to sinners you can't do this um so in the ten commandments and in the law of god what we see are twofold there's both it was specifically for israel for them to obtain the temporary land but also it has enduring significance so it it lasts where it shows us pre-christ here is the standard you can't reach this so in a sense all of them are still in effect for us today in another sense it was temporary for israel too um Mm. so it's still absolutely in effect for us today so sabbath in effect um having one god is in effect because i think what happens too is people say like oh the the law no longer exists for us then you have to ask them "Is like well it says don't murder like do you not want that one to be true anymore it's we have to take it all and see. okay, what does this mean for Israel back then? And what does this mean for us today? Because Paul explicitly talks about it in Romans 7, saying both for Israel and for us today, like, I see what I'm supposed to do, but I can't do it.
0: Right. And I know I'm jumping ahead with this one comment. So you, you don't need to explain it too much because we'll go, go into it on the next, yeah. on the gospel part. But it's like when Jesus elaborates on the yeah saying it's it's said to you shall not murder but i tell you you're murdering every time you uh yeah, you hate somebody in your heart hate somebody in your heart so yep. he takes he doesn't say don't worry about the ten commandments or the law anymore he's saying i need to show he you intensifies it." He, he's like you think it was impossible or hard before now i'm showing you how much more impossible <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yep yeah um, yeah, and actually uh this is something that I learned through, you know, Dr. Richard Belcher. He's yep, from Reformed the yep. Theology Seminary. Um he explained really in the Old Testament the law days, um, was there to keep Israel apart and holy from the world. So yeah. he explains it as an arrows-in philosophy, keeping yeah. the a holy border when You know, on the next episode, you'll learn when he talks about the gospel in the New Testament is to spread the good news to the nations, So, which is now Gentiles that are not from Israel. So that would be including everyone into the family, and that would be more of an arrows out approach. Yeah. Spreading to the nation. So you're going to learn what's talk about, you know, in the gospel. Now we're part of Abraham's family tree. Yep, yep. In, in part of that covenant that's placed in the law in Abraham's day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's why they have to tie together so much. Um, yep. Let's see here. So when, what's the difference? Oh, actually, before I jump into this next question, I, I do want to illustrate, you know, or have you kind of go into more of it's so important to know this symbolism mm-hmm. uh you know how Jesus was the true sacrifice on the cross. And then, yep. you know, in the law in the Old Testament, they were over and over and over again sacrificing yep. animals. Yep. So help the listeners know why God had to have us over and over again um sacrifice clean, blameless animals and then all of a sudden do away with that to point towards christ on the cross
1: yeah yeah so it's i mean this is again this is so 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 crucial for understanding the fullness of christ's redemption christ's sacrifice on the cross christ's obedience for us Uh, all of those animal sacrifices i think they're they're too often misunderstood that they were not satisfactory Mm -hmm. that they didn't actually take away sins that i've heard that they just passed over sins, they didn't actually atone for sins. Where, yes, like in and of themselves, the animals themselves did not take away sins. But it was the repentant heart, it was the looking forward to the one who is going to come to take away the sins of these people, to take the guilt from these people, to give them the obedience that they so desperately need under the law, in order for their sins to be taken away and for righteousness righteousness to be given to them um so it it's because the fact that these sacrifices point towards the true sacrifice of old testament sacrifices point towards the true sacrifice of christ that made old testament sacrifices and this may come as kind of a shock actually did what they were doing if that makes sense so they actually did take the sins away from their people and that's because they pointed towards the one who was to come who would take away the sins. And that was again through the repentant heart, through them understanding that there was one coming. And we're told that over and over in the New Testament, and especially in Hebrews, because Hebrews, the, the book of Hebrews, all thirteen chapters, assumes you basically know the entire sacrificial system. So all of the Pentateuch, reading all five chapter or all five books the first five books of of our english bible it assumes extensive knowledge because it builds off of that knowledge Mm -hmm. and it says those people were saved the same way we are today by looking towards the mediator to take away their sins and give them his obedience and those animals were just a type so they we have we have to think christ being the true sacrifice he's the real so he's the real sacrifice. He points backwards towards, and those animals are an image of the truth sacrifice. They're mm. totally worthless outside of understanding who the mediator is. But Israel, understanding who the mediator is, that made those sacrifices actually work. And I think it's so often misunderstood. Those sacrifices just covered over, and their sins weren't taken care of until however X many years after that when Christ came we have to understand they pointed towards so by the very fact that they pointed towards by the very fact that there's faith that makes sins taken away and your obedience given to you from somebody else
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i think faith is the key word there so like they're saved by faith just like we are abraham
0: right Moses,
1: all those guys were all saved by faith just like we are today the sacrifices just point towards the faith
0: True. So before Jesus's first coming, which is AKA the gospel, yeah, um, you answered my question here. Were people saved by the act of following the law or having the intention to follow it? They were saved, despite themselves,
1: by looking towards the true fulfillments of the sacrifices to take away their sins from under the law, if that makes sense. So it was neither their intention or their doing the law. It was their understanding that they can do neither perfectly, and so they need somebody who comes in perfectly. So they looked at Moses and saw a picture of the one who's to come. They saw Joshua and saw a picture of the one who was to come. They saw David, same thing. They saw these sacrifices, same thing. So I think the more steps we put for the Old Testament, the farther away we see Christ and how they were saved and how we are saved today. So they're saved by the same faith, but it's Christ is the one to come in the Old Testament. And then New Testament, Christ came. Church age, it is Christ has come. But all people,
0: all time were saved under the same mediator. Mm. And that's what I think sticks out so much with the Pharisees mm-hmm. when Jesus comes is they are staunch, legalistic, ritualistic, without relationship, follow every cross every t dot every i they, yeah. they followed the law uh, as perfect as they could, but they had no heart in it yes yeah, so they they um they took the
1: temporary land picture. So Canaan. They took the the land flowing with milk and honey, the one that God promised Abraham, the one that God promised Moses. The Pharisees took Canaan and said, that's heaven. So they assumed what they were working for was the earthly heaven. Instead hmm. of looking towards what the law pointed towards, which is the heaven to come, which is the true heaven, they looked at the picture and assumed it was the reality. We look at the reality knowing that that's what we're looking towards. So it wasn't so much that their intention was wrong or anything else, which it was wrong is because they looked at the temporary instead of the eternal. Okay.
0: Yeah. And they were blinded by that because when Jesus came, they were so focused on their inward, their actions towards the law that, they weren't open-minded enough to see scripture point to jesus in front of them
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and jesus i mean jesus tells us unless your righteousness succeeds that of the pharisees you will not see heaven and i think he like as far as i can tell he means that literally um he actually means like those pharisees work freaking hard under the law Mm -hmm. and unless you can do the law better than them which i mean kind of like what you say aka perfectly you will not see heaven and that's because the pharisee has no mediator the pharisee is trying to do it on their own us with the mediator who has done it perfectly guess what we are exceeding the righteousness of the pharisees but that's not because of us that's because of our mediator who has exceeded the righteousness of the pharisees
0: so when we look at the law obviously people when they think of law, your mind goes towards courtroom. Yeah, legalistic, and my one of my favorite words, justice. Yep. I, love, yep. I love feeling like justice is served. <laughs> yeah, In yeah. My yeah. blood. I, I. just. That's where I'm just uh, geared towards. Um, yeah. So when the law, the law keeps justice, and God loves justice, and yeah, really it's His way of staying true to His nature, right? Yeah, that's who He is. Okay. Perfect. Um, so what's the difference between the Ten Commandments and all the other many laws you heard of in the Old Testament? Because mm. there's definitely more than ten and oh yeah, plug there's <laughs> actually six hundred and thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Not so the,
1: 10. <laughs> yeah, the six hundred and thirteen, it's I think it's from the Mishnah. Mishnah or Midra. I think it's I think it's Mishnah. Um from the Pharisees. So the Pharisees basically take the Ten Commandments and extrapolate so they say okay these are the basis of the law how does this affect every single piece of our life so that's where you see elevators in kind of orthodox judaism where every single button has been pressed on sundays so they don't have to do any work on sundays and the elevator just stops at every single floor and they get off at whatever floor that they need to get off on but they haven't done any work and so when we see the laws throughout the old testament what they're doing is they're pointing back to the Old Testament and say, okay, so this is, the, this is the baseline. Do not commit adultery. That also means by taking this into this context, this. Or uh, don't steal. So that also means like do good to your neighbor. Also don't steal. So it's both the negative and the positive. And you'll see the prophets and the minor prophets You'll see Ezekiel, you'll see Isaiah doing these same things. And we see them, and there's a, there's a word that we use in Reformed theology called they're, they're covenant prosecutors. So they're kind of like in your, in your favorite term, injustice, they're like lawyers. Mm-hmm. They look at the law as the law of the land, and they tell Israel, okay, here's the Ten Commandments, here's the law of God, here's all the ways you just messed up that law of God. Look towards the mediator who's coming because you guys can't do this. And that's where all the prophetic stuff comes in, as they say, "Here's Christ. Here's this one who's to come. He's the one who's filling it for you. He will be coming. Trust him. Believe him. Don't believe your own works." And so they continually prosecute and prosecute and prosecute. And that's when you start seeing the Ten Commandments kind of expand, and them saying, "Okay, it affects this. It affects this. It affects this. It affects this. It's all of life. Um, the Ten Commandments affect absolutely everything." That's that's where, again, the Pharisees took the 613 and assumed they could do it. Uh, versus us, look at the 10 and say, like, we can't do it. I need somebody to come in and do it for me. Um, so, this, yeah, that's 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 how we see when things seem expanded in the Old Testament. It's because you don't expand when you don't think you can't do it. You expand when you think you can.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, and it on the what it should do at the end of the day is be so overwhelmingly humbling mm-hmm. instead of being like, Oh, no, 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 all we got to do is add another law, add another law, add another law to amend this law, to amend this law, to change, you know, to tr- somehow try to get to it versus just being like, We can't do it. There's no yeah. way. I and that's <laughs> we see that in Jesus because, yeah, the Pharisees take 613
1: from the 10. Jesus shrinks it to two. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. He knows also, too, we can't even do that. Mm-hmm. So even at his most shrunken form, he's telling us, that's not like an ethical standard for us Christians to say like, oh, we can do this all the time, every time. It's, I think it's literally to show us, because he tells us that the rich young ruler, because the rich young ruler in Matthew 19 tells Jesus, all of these things I've done. And then that's when Jesus says, okay, let's break it down here, 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 here. Because he starts off with just a two and then he expands. He's like, okay, you think you can do those two? How about all 10? And that's when
0: things start breaking down. Yeah. Okay, just slightly uh, change gears. We're on a great track. I, I love it. Uh, but I got some really good curveball questions for you, too. So I want to. Yeah, go for it. Um, So what about the rest of the world outside of Israel during the old Testament days that didn't know of the law and how to keep it? So they were just a product product of not being educated on it, ignorance, whatever you want to call it. Uh, What was the Gentiles? What was their fate during? Yeah.
1: Yeah. This, this one's one's really hard. Um, This one, this one's hard for me. This one's hard for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. um but so for the gentiles there's there's kind of a a twofold way of looking at it a the gentiles within the old testament are still saved under the abrahamic covenant um and that's explicit from the abrahamic covenant itself where he's saying i will expand i will expand your people i will expand your borders i will give you this land um and the law too that's why i kind of prefaced this episode by saying the law kind of shows us two things. It shows us, in and of itself, for Israel, what it did for Israel, and then expanding that to us as well. Because it had a very specific purpose for Israel. And like you said, it was to show them holy set apart because it was supposed to be like this this visible tent or tabernacle, like what we saw in the Garden of Eden episode um, with the fall, where Adam and Eve are part of this temple. They're part of this tabernacle that is eventually they're cast out because they sin, we see the same thing in Israel. Israel itself is supposed to be a tent or a tabernacle. And then inside of that t- tent or tabernacle is the presence of Yahweh in the Holy of Holies in that courtyard. And then the Gentiles, those who are outside of Israel, those who are outside of the covenant community, are also told in the prophets and in the writings, look towards Israel because those are the set-apart ones. Look towards them, look towards their faith, look towards them under the law, because you guys are still under the same law. That law is not just Israel. That law is God. And because God is God overall, that same law affects every society in a natural kind of um, well-known across the world, not special, told somebody, but it's, it's a part of us. It's a natural part of us, and that's proven to us from Paul in Romans 1. Romans one talks about God is known throughout the universe throughout this world by his works, by the things that he's done, and that's not because he's told us explicitly, but it's the very fact that the, like we see worshipers, we see people who can't help but worship something so that's mm-hmm. that's how we see the Gentiles included in that too, and then in Acts fifteen, Peter and Paul have the debate, the Jerusalem Council talking about circumcision, asking, okay, circumcision was a part of the abrahamic covenant with israel how do we see gentiles as part of this as well Mm -hmm. so there's there's a lot of stuff around it but it is also everyone old testament looked towards israel and said okay israel that set apart ones but everyone's still under the law israel just has that physical presence of yahweh
0: within the tent ah makes sense um so instead of thinking god doesn't care about the gentiles outside of israel um it's it's more of God set apart Israel to be a clear leader and an example for the world to look at.
1: Yeah, it's he he placed his presence in the Ark of the Covenant, in the Holy of Holies, within the tent and the tabernacle to be that earthly tent, to be that earthly tabernacle. Again, mm-hmm. like we see in the Garden of Eden, where that tent is placed in different places. In the New Testament, that tent's expanded does not mean that God was not the God of all in the Old Testament. It just means it was a sketch for the fullness of the picture that we see in the New Testament. He, he needed to show his holiness and his presence and break under the law both the Gentiles and the Jews. And Jews were just Jews by circumcision. So it was, mm-hmm. they were cut on the eighth day, and that showed that they were part of that covenant community. But Gentiles could still be part of it because we see
0: Gentiles part of it in the Old Testament. Right, true. I mean, so it goes back to God is clearly the God of the universe.
1: Yeah.
0: Not just Israel. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay, good. Uh, this is making, I think, my mind and hopefully the listeners' uh, minds, like, pivot a little bit closer to the truth and yeah. what the Bible uh, teaches. So, uh, so did people – do you think that people in the Old Testament – Uh, before jesus came on the scene they felt this overwhelmingly big burden to uphold the impossible task of following the law
1: yeah i think in a sense they did and in a sense obviously they didn't because none of us do that perfectly right um
0: but they got self-righteous people that feel like they're doing really good like the pharisees
1: yeah yeah so we still have that we still have examples of that um but again we have to take how did the New Testament authors understand the Old Testament, and we should take our our understanding from the New Testament from how they understood the old testament because that's that's kind of our paradigm that's how we should see scriptures, how the apostles saw scriptures themselves um, and this is what whoever the writer of Hebrews is it's Hebrews eleven talks about Abraham and the promise given to Abraham of Canaan of that temporary earthly city where it explicitly says. Abraham in this saw the city that was to come. And so this is supposed to give us like this category for saying, okay, this promise was given to Abraham and was reiterated and re-given over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament, explicitly in a couple areas, especially Jeremiah Jeremiah 31, placing his covenant on the hearts of believers, creating a new heart, creating new flesh in their heart. Um, but it's pointing us to like Old Testament believers actually knew what this pointed towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we have to take the interpretation of the New Testament on top of the Old Testament, because the New Testament is not like retranslating things and making things all weird on the Old Testament. They're actually giving us the true explanation of the Old Testament. And so we should look at the Old Testament. like they actually knew the purpose of the law. Um, those who fell, those who were not of the faith, were the ones who either A, thought they didn't need a mediator and could do this on their own, or B, we're just not part of the faith.
0: Mm-hmm. I think overall, people that are don't know much about Christianity, or if they're overall just turned off by religion altogether, it's because yeah. of this legalistic, the mm-hmm. law stuff, and they take yeah. it yeah. some of it a lot out of context, and they think it's very harsh, and they oh, you hear comments like. I can't believe in a God that's that cruel. Yeah, yeah. Stuff that's unloving because they're taking things out of context and they don't understand the full scope of the story. They kind of drill into one um, verse without looking at the whole context or everything yeah. else around it. So, things like stoning people yeah. and things like that. How do we answer the critics on this?
1: yeah um a it's hard because as humans we have like these sensibilities like we don't want to see wrong we don't want to see other people being hurt um but at the same time our our standard is nothing compared to the standard of righteousness under god and so again he has the standard and the standard like we talked about is is not moving or doesn't lower doesn't heighten it is absolute perfection in standard and that's not because God one day, like I said in the beginning, God one day decided like, you know what, I'm going to place this law on top of these people. It's because he is who he is in and of himself, that's the law. And it's not because he placed it, it's, it's him being in their presence. They can't do certain things because he can't allow them to be in his presence, not because he doesn't like them, but because they literally cannot live in his presence if they don't follow this law if they're not perfectly righteous and so that's when you see some of these laws and these laws aren't like let's just arbitrarily kill people because they do bad stuff it's you do this this is unrighteousness this is sin you literally cannot be in my presence because i'm holy and we have to have a proper view of sin a proper view of humanity and say like we are broken we are sinful we cannot be in the presence of holiness And so a lot of these laws in the old Testament are supposed to point us towards not like, Oh man, why did he do this? This person? Like that was super cruel. It was to be like, Holy moly, this God is Holy goodness gracious. Like Mm -hmm. how am I ever going to be in this person's presence? How am I ever going to be in this being's presence? How am I ever going to walk in this being's presence? Like Adam walked in the garden, like, how is that possible for me? And again, it's supposed to point us to, There is one who comes in the New Testament, and now we see there is one who came, who perfectly fulfilled, and now we don't have to fear being in his presence. Because he's obeyed on our behalf, we can be with him right now, and we will be with him in the future. And all that stuff is just to show us, like, you cannot be in his presence unless you are perfectly holy or one who comes in on your behalf is perfectly holy.
0: And I think it comes down to two people don't know that there are these four major categories of the law. So they, they get them mixed together. Yeah. For example, there is the holiness part of the law. There's the justice, there's the sacrifice, and there's yep. the sacred, sacred time. So, um, wearing certain garments yep. and like <laughs> people find it to be like really silly and they're like, I don't get why. So just for education, this helps me too. Like, can you give a short, concise example of each of those four categories?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, holiness is just, that's, I mean, all four of those are, are part of God's character. And I think that's, that's first and foremost. We have to understand God's character and understand our character and understand those don't mix. And for any other reason than nothing can be in God's presence unless their character effectively matches. That There's perfection in both. Uh, but holiness is is a is a set-apartness and it's a standard so there's purity of being that there is no lying that there's no darkness that it's pure truth um that it's pure righteousness that everything that being does is absolutely perfect in what he does um the justice of it is because of the laws and because of the character of god of yahweh Certain things have to be in order for anybody else to be in their presence, because, and again, it's not because they just decide one day. It's like just the very being of who they are. It's if you're to put a piece of wax next to a 300 or a 3,000 degree oven, the piece of wax is going to melt. And it's not because the oven is like, I'm going to melt you, but it's like it's very like it's just what the oven does. It just it burns. It burns things or it cooks things. That's that's like the, the justice, the holiness of Yahweh, because he just is who he is. These are the results of being around him, um, and so that there's no like he decides to do certain things. it's just that's just who he is. Um, so the justice comes in, the, like the the sacrifice, the sacrifice is in order to be in their presence, in order to have a clear conscience, that in order to be stripped away of guilt, of shame, of sin, there has to be perfection. And not like, oh, like I have a lot of faith. It's you have to have perfection
0: mm-hmm. on top
1: of you, in you, around you, part of you, in your very being. And again, that's that's where the sacrifices from the Old Testament come in. It comes to take away sin and to give you, if you just didn't have any sin, you would just be a blank slate. You need righteousness to be in the presence of righteousness. And so righteousness for the sacrifice had to be there as well. And then the sacrifice or the um, kind of the sacred living is not you are purposely trying to do something. Is now because you've been made righteous, this is how you will live. Not because you're trying to consciously be a righteous person, but because this is your new nature, this is the effect of how you will live.
0: Mm-hmm. And so God is that oven um that repels anything that's not perfect he can't let anything no yeah that's just who he is but at the same time which is the like that is his essence and yeah but at the same time he wants a relationship with you who isn't perfect so he he repels non-perfection but he wants to have you be a part of him so he has to figure out a way yeah yet your imperfectness into His perfect nature and realm, and that brings it to Himself. Yep. Saving, saving us from Himself. Yeah, by. like yeah,
1: like your quote earlier: God saves us from Himself by Himself.
0: Yep. So, what about the what was before the law and after the fall? Because mm. you know, there's a there's got to be a gap of time. Um, between, <laughs> yeah. Adam, we did talk about the first law could have been, don't eat from oh, that tree. Yep. But didn't, didn't Moses te- technically can kind of start the official law? There's a lot of time between the, yeah. and the in, in the garden and Moses. I mean, many, 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 many years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and again, this is, it's a big debate, but I think, I think you can find um, in part of my school work this last semester was a final on, like, I mean, prove that the law came from Adam. Prove that the law came from um, Genesis 2 to 3. And my understanding is, so there's, we can see effectively the Ten Commandments in God's telling Adam, do not eat this tree. Because first and foremost, in order for Adam to believe this God, he has to believe that this is the one God, that this is the true God, that this is the only God, and so he has to listen to this God. And he can't set up any false images and worship anything because in order for him to worship this god he has to follow the commands that this god has given him because that's worshipful in this context not murdering because effectively if and we see it obviously it plays out this way adam not following this commandment is murdering himself He doesn't have effectively somebody else. And he's also murdering Eve in that instance as well. He's not honoring her because if he transgresses this, he murders Eve and he murders himself. Because Yahweh says, if you eat of this, you're going to die. And that's part of what we see in the Ten Commandments as well, is you shall not murder. And so like what we see in Moses is Moses is effectively taking the law in Genesis 2 and expanding it and saying, okay, this is what... Adam had in a picture, in a type, now I'm expanding it a little bit more to show you the breadth and the depth of what the law actually is. But we do see the law, in seed fo- I think, in seed form with Adam, which is why I don't think it starts at Moses. I think the law starts at Adam.
0: Okay. That's becoming more and more clear during this conversation as initially I was thinking, oh, it's during Moses when god spoke to him and got yep. the 10 commandments but it's that and that's where i think most people think but it's actually yeah, totally. with, so is there a, is there a difference between how people died from adam to moses from moses to jesus and uh, like as far as when people died did they automatically go to heaven like we would now before jesus came
1: yeah you know, Woof. yeah this is, a this, is that this is a hard question um i know we will be i think all believers pre and then intra just during or post christ mm-hmm. uh, his life death and resurrection i think everybody will be with jesus at death um the fullness of heaven whatever that means um, comes in the consummation and that's we, we see that in revelation where christ comes and makes all things new um but as as far as i can tell and that's you see it again in jesus's resurrection appearances um we will be with christ because that's he comes as a resurrected christ with with believers but again the gospel is in genesis three fifteen, where yahweh tells eve i will give you a seed the serpent will bruise his heel, but he will crush his head. And we see that over and over and over again, where later on, is this person the mediator? Is this person the, the, the mediator? And it's a no up until Christ when it's a yes, that this is a mediator. But again, everybody's looking towards the mediator. Um, believers look towards, given a new heart, they look from the thing, which is the sacrifice or the promise, to the fulfillment which is christ so
0: we learned a lot about the law which is the prerequisite for the gospel um we get that in our mind and we have to lay the foundation of the understanding of the law respect it to respect the gospel you have to be humbled by the law so much to be like i need a savior i i can't do this i yeah day we know it's impossible you know and uh so we need god to do it for us so we're at that point hopefully everyone's on the same page so (laughs) yeah yeah we're we're at the guilt point of our name right now yes yes um so that kind of answered my own question but to wrap it up just like all these episodes how are we going to tie the theme into the gospel of jesus yeah Um, and this is
1: yeah a teaser into into the next episode where we're more explicitly talking about the gospel but Hopefully people heard um, some of the gospel within this, with this law presentation as well. Um, but Paul says it explicitly where he says, the law came in so that sin abounds. And that's, that is the guilt, that is the shame, that is the, I can't be in this God's presence. I can't live under this God's rules. I can't love my neighbor as myself. I, can, I can't even love my neighbor as myself for a millisecond of the day. I can't love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, even for a millisecond. But we see the one who came, Jesus Christ, who did love his neighbor as himself, who did love the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, who didn't commit murder, who loved, who did not um, set up idols, who did not do anything that was anything else other than perfectly righteous. And so we have to look at the law and not as a, oh, this is a good idea. Try your hardest. Do your best. Try your hardest to do some of the law. It's no, you must do all of the law, all of the time, perfectly. Mm -hmm. But that's where the gospel comes in and says Christ did the law perfectly, personally, and perpetually. He did it for all, for good, and forever for mm-hmm. us who believe in him and that's where yes guilt from the law comes and it comes often it comes after the gospel because you still feel i still feel the guilt of the law today but i know because i've confessed my heart and believe that i believe in christ and because christ came in to obey on my behalf obey on your guys's behalf those who are listening you can rest assured that the law is no longer your burden even though you still feel burdened by it in some sense kind of right now temporarily we know that the law points us to christ now as believers but to those who are unbelievers listening the law is still your bar of righteousness the law is still burdening you the law is still telling you these are the things you have to do but what i'm saying is flee to the mediator flee to the one who did it on your behalf and i think that's where the gospel's at
0: yeah because if you're not a part of jesus if you don't have a relationship with jesus you're gonna be Uh, when you die, you're going to have to hold an account to God on defending how you fulfill the law perfectly, which is impossible. Only God himself who's perfect could do that. You know, so um, he's, you're going to have to run through your life and try to, and you're going to fail and, you know, immediately. So it's either you represent yourself or Jesus will walk in as your lawyer. (laughs) <laughs> to the judge. Exactly, yep. And we'll say, oh, and there won't even be, like you said, a it won't even be a discussion of big, like, oh, he's with you. You're good. Yeah, if he covered you. Yeah. So exactly. Um, yeah, so if you don't, if you're not a believer, uh, in essence, you're living under the burden of the law, like you were would be in the Old Testament yep. as, you know, as a Gentile too. So. Yep. Um, we don't mean this to be judgmental or cruel or anything like that. Like we are just trying to help people understand. Yeah. And the, the gospel
1: is freely offered to you.
0: Yeah.
1: We're not holding it back. He doesn't hold it back. Christ is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that rest is that heavenly perfect rest.
0: Mm-hmm cool amen that's i think a great place to end it so our next episode we will carry this on to going in diving more in the emphasis of the gospel yeah the the good news side of this so (laughs) yeah all right we'll we'll catch you guys next time thank you so much
1: all right peace bye